This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 285, and tonight we are being invaded by beings from another world. They look just like us, but they're not us. And no, I'm not talking about the creepy kids girls, even though they are here tonight. No, we are having an invasion, an invasion of the body snatchers. Yes, we're covering the 1978 remakes during Donald Sutherland and my goddess Veronica Cartwright. And for those of you who are new to the show, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and every month, twice a month, I am your guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you're going to have to see them through my very, 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 very gay little eyes. Moo-hoo-ha, moo-hoo-ha, moo-hoo-ha-ha-ha. But before we get things going, I want to ask you folks, have you heard about FlameCon? FlameCon is like... Queer Comic Con. It happens every August in New York City. And I go pretty much every year, and it's supposed to be for fantasy, sci fi, and horror. And every year, horror is just severely underrepresented in both the panels and the attendance. And I'm looking to change that this year. So if you are interested at all in this sort of thing, check out www.flamecon.org for more information on this because. It's a great time. It's a huge, fabulous festival, and it just seems like the horror community is unaware of it. And I'm looking to get a panel there this year, possibly do a live show from there, possibly get on a discussion group. I have an idea for some live entertainment as well that I have to gather some folks around. So I'm trying to make this the year horror takes over FlameCon. But of course, I want to know if you guys are interested in this sort of thing. And are you guys in the area? Would, would you go to this sort of thing? Because you know, I don't hear anybody else talking about this in the podcasting community in our little circle of, of horror people. So uh, please get back to me. Please get back to me. You know how to do that. The contact information will be at the end of the show or drop me a note on Facebook. You don't do what you got to do. But before we go any further, I have to take care of some business, official business. Now, a lot of people don't think that horror and humanitarianism go together well at all. But, you know, as you know, I've been looking to change that for a while because being a scream queen isn't just being the star of the movie. That's the person who actually stands up, comes face to face against a monster or some kind of evil and says, no, no, just an ordinary person. You know, not some superhero, just an ordinary everyday person who has the gumption to stand up and say no and try to change the world for the better, to try to save the world in whatever manner possible. Maybe just for themselves, maybe just for their group of friends, but they are saying no to something really bad, trying to make the world a better place. And that is why over the years I incorporated the Scream Queen of the Week title. And sure, that morphed over time. First, it was just shit I gave out for people doing funny things, but then after I started getting involved with new alternatives and the whole uh, homeless LGBT teenage crisis, that whole thing, I realized we could do more as a community. And I want to recognize when people do that. And I've been doing that over time. Every time I crown a new Scream Queen of the Week, as I like to say, they get an honorary tiara and a $25 donation 
to the charitable organization of their choice. But I also realized I don't give this title out very often, so Scream Queen of the Week is kind of a misnomer. So from henceforth, I hereby decree the Scream Queen of the Week shall be known instead as the latest entry into the Scream Queen's Hall of Fame. And so it is time, my beautiful, beautiful Screamers, for me to induct the latest members of the Scream Queen's Hall of Fame. Now picture it. It's Christmas Day. No, just last month. And as you know, this was a really rough time for me. I'm at the tail end of the Everyday's Halloween fundraiser, trying to raise funds for new alternatives, helping out homeless LGBT youth in New York City. Things are dark. Things are dire. I'm exhausted. And since I can't go home to my family because they're all Trumpians, I'm spending the holiday alone. There was that murder of a trans woman that had me very upset. And it is a miserable miserable day. I don't know why I started listening to this podcast. I don't know what attracted me to it. I just stumbled across them on Twitter and something made me click that link. And I fell in love. And the podcast that I'm talking about is called Your Queer Story. And Your Queer Story is hosted by Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Evan is a transgender man and Paul is a gay man. And they are doing something that makes me so damn proud. They do a podcast that's all about queer history, queer culture, queer current events. And they do it in such a fun, upbeat, snarky way. No high and mighty attitudes, just fun yet powerful. And it's something I respect. You know how I'm always yelling at you guys to know your history? I get mad at you when you don't know who what the Stonewall Riots was about. I get mad when you don't know things about the AIDS crisis and stuff like that. And you know, but these two have put together a show that is fabulous. And it snapped me right out of those doldrums that I was stuck in on Christmas Day. And believe me, those were some deep-ass doldrums. I think that particular episode, they were talking about you know the top 10 you know, LGBT moments in TV history. And I think that's probably what sucked me. I'm like, oh, TV, whatever. And it was great. Wonderfully entertaining. Funny, funny, funny. And over time, I've just fallen in love with them more and more. They are doing incredible work and doing it in such a fun way. For instance, let's take a listen to the time they read Chasing Booty Jake to Filth for canceling an event. He was supposed to appear at a bar, but the bar had a stripper pole, so he canceled the whole thing, and they were not having it. it I don't know. It just really annoys me because it goes back to that, I, that same... The gay, lib- the gay rights movement versus the queer liberation, where yep. gay rights is all about, let's see how much we can conform to a heterosexual cisgender society. We don't want to disrupt anything. We just want to make sure we're exactly like you guys. We're going to have the same gender roles as you. We're going to do everything exactly like you. Um, and we're going to make sure that anybody that looks different, acts different, is different. They're isolated is and they're, they're not us. Yeah, we'll talk about trans rights. We'll talk about trans rights and we'll have that one trans person on our, our campaign to show that we're really diverse. But, you know, make sure, again, make, making sure that it really appeals to um, Midwestern America. Right. White it was, it really was America. extremely disappointing. But at the same time, I was not surprised. I was like, this just goes back to them comparing Pete to... Uh, the gay that when um, Stonewall was happening was in his apartment and was happy when the police came because it was too loud outside. Right, exactly. It's exactly, it's that kind of gay, yep. you know, and, you know, 
And I don't, I'm I, I'm not saying that Pete Buttigieg needs to walk down the street in booty shorts. Like I'm not. I get that. That's not. I don't think that's his personality. But this entire idea of our, like you only embrace the gay parts that are working for you that Americans can like, right. and you're gonna just forget the rest of the community. But you want that money from us, right? Right? You want that money from us because this is the first gay president, right? Exactly. But, he wants to only appeal to non-gay people, but he just wants you to like him because he's gay. Exactly. He'll he'll use that so that it's, we should vote for him because he's gay, right? We want the first gay president, but um, but but nothing to do with the queer culture, of right. course. And the, like the entire point, like if you're a gay man, it's you you hope that you understand what it's like to be marginalized. That means you understand what it's like to be poor. You understand what it's like to have nothing. You understand what it's like to not have privilege. But mm-hmm. the thing is, that goes back to the point. He doesn't know what it's like. Right. He does not know what it's like to be poor. He does not know what it's like to be underprivileged. Like, yes, he had to hide his identity, but he, he so thrived so off of hiding his, other people. He thrived off of hiding his right. identity. Exactly. Everything else was handed to him. And now he's at when it was safe for him. And that's a whole other argument. I don't want to get into when someone should come out or when not. But I'm just saying he doesn't understand what it's like to be underprivileged, but he wants to use the gay word like he knows what it's like to be underprivileged. Exactly. And no, Pete Buttigieg, you don't. You don't fucking know. And you prove it again and again. Yep. And fuck you, Chastin, because we all know that you've danced a hundred times on a goddamn pole. Oh, so my get God. the fuck out Chastin of here with that. Definitely he has that, lit yeah. up a pole up and down, <laughs> and he's trying to pass like, no, sorry, never done it. Mm, gay bar? Okay. I've never been to one of those. <laughs> I didn't know they had dancing poles in gay bars. <laughs> we never watch Drag Race. We never go to a gay bar. Fuck off. Now, you know, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, nothing makes me happier than a queen with a legitimate bone to pick. And a potty mouth. Listening to this discussion where they shred a presidential candidate for using the gay community while not embracing the gay community and to make get their point across with such passion and clarity and then turn it all around and end it with a great big fuck off. You know, you've danced at a poll. These queens are my kind of people. Now, that was all very good and well and funny and snarky and everything, but this very same episode, they took time to read part one of a two-part story of forbidden love, forbidden lesbian love that crossed the line in Nazi Germany between a a Jew and someone, a woman who was fully, fully entrenched in the Nazi regime until she met this wonderful woman. And they read it with such respect and passion. I'm floored by what they do here. Now, I'm not going to play an excerpt from that story because I want you to go and listen to it for yourself because it is an incredible story, incredibly moving, incredibly powerful that I've never heard before. So not only are they embracing queer history, but they're also teaching me stuff about what's going on right now. Because if it was not for them, I would have no idea about what was going on in Poland. What is, rather, going on in Poland right now? And by that, I'm talking about, I believe they call it the Rainbow Plague. Yeah, all of a sudden, there's been this huge resurgence this huge backlash in Polish politics against queer people to the point where they're like throwing people out of their own town. And it's all bad. I had no idea. So thank you for that. Thank you for opening my mind. Thank you for educating me. But the thing that really got me was their plans for 2020, their establishment of a queer mentorship program. So, and then for the the final thing that we're launching in 2020 and something that I'm particularly um, excited yes, Evan about. Evan has been the brains and the brawn behind this program. <laughs> As of right now. So this, uh, we're launching, uh, launching, we will be, it is not live yet, the uh, YQS, Your Queer Story Mentorship Program. So Paul and I 
every week now have messages and sometimes several messages. This week alone, I talked to at least three people mm-hmm. who reached out and they had questions. And some of them are just very general questions about being out, being queer. Some of them, like one kid, um, I shouldn't say kid, one young person wanted help with a school project and they were fantastic. Mm-hmm. They were able to uh, uh, bring some points to their school board um, about some issues that they're having with homophobia mm-hmm. and transphobia and just queer phobia in their school, and they were able to make a lot of headway, so that was fantastic. Yep. But we also talked to a lot of people who are in queer envi- or in conservative environments, queer people in conservative environments. They are trapped. They have nowhere to go. They have no money, and they don't know anybody. Exactly. And if you haven't grown up in an environment like that, it's really hard to understand how limiting and how debilitating it is. It's not just that you don't have it's not as simple as just leaving. Like, you know, the whole idea of like, I'll just pack up and go to New York City is not realistic mm-hmm. if you don't have money to get on a plane or a train to get to New York City, right. if you don't have a place to sleep when you get to New York City, if you don't know anyone in New York City. So if you live in the Midwest or you live in the Deep South and you have nowhere to go, you're really stuck. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of queer young people, when I say young people, I'm meaning between the ages of like 16 to 25, mm-hmm. are stuck without funds, without resources, and without any connections. And so the Queer Mentorship Program, what that does is it puts them in contact. If you reach out to us and you say, hey, I'm stuck in this environment and I don't know what to do, maybe you just need support and encouragement. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you um, you have questions, you know, just general questions. There's a lot of questions I had, you know, that I had oh, no absolutely. Idea. Um, any, I mean, uh, you, I'm sure, had a lot. Even as, like, a young gay male, like, what do I do if I want to have anal sex? Mm-hmm. Anything. If you have any questions, don't be embarrassed. Yeah. These are all questions that need to be asked. And exactly. you need to know the proper answers to protect yourself and have a good time at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Well, advice and just like, hey, maybe don't meet up with the stranger that you just met, <laughs> you know? Or at <laughs> least have a friend that you tell, hey... This is this person's picture. This is this person's name. This is the address I'm going to be Yeah, this is where I'm going. Exactly. Because you, if you don't have any friends that you can be like, I'm going to go hook up with this guy, you know, mm-hmm. then having the mentor there. And the mentor is, I might that name might change, but for right now, because the purpose of, if they're a minor, then it's just about encouraging and supporting them. There's not mm-hmm. much that we can do. Right. Making sure that they're safe. Um, if they're in a very violent situation, making sure that other um, organizations are aware so that they can help them and the authorities are aware if there's an extremely violent or abusive place so that's what the mentor the mentor if they're over 18 though then um the the mentor also provides support encouragement and advice and they can help the people that are over the age of 18 leave that environment and they help them by uh, by setting up the basics like they help them find housing and a mm-hmm. job and um, understand how to open a bank account and, and save um, emergency funds, putting them in touch with local queer organizations and the co- queer community. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the mentor isn't giving them these things. It's helping this person. Like right. when you're young, you Some don't know how to do these things. And you're not taught in school anymore. Exactly. Or ever. You're not taught in school. And if your parents and the people in your life are not going to be helpful in you leaving you need someone to be like, hey, here's what you do. Here's how you find an apartment. Here's how you apply for an apartment. Let me get this bank account set up so you can get some money there. Here's right. a good lead on jobs. Here is um, a local queer organization that helps queer people leave these mm-hmm. um, toxic in, uh, places. There's a lot of reasons why a person would want or need a queer mentor. And so that's what we set up. So 
You can go ahead. If you hear some crazy noise in the background, there's a cat walking all around things. Yep. So sorry about that. Evan, Paul, I am floored at your generosity and, and your kindness of spirit and your forward thinking. This kind of mentorship program nips future problems in the bud. Like my, my, my personal cause is the homeless problem among the LGBT teenagers. This kind of thing helps reduce my kind of problem. So I am 100% on board with everything that you're doing. I am so moved by the ambition and the passion that is driving you to that I am almost without words, to which my listeners are saying, thank goodness. But on top of it all, we find it at the very last minute, you're cat people too. So you are always welcome here on the Scream Queens Horror Podcast. That's for darn sure. But before we go any further, Evan, Paul, Congratulations. You have been inducted into the Scream Queens Hall of Fame. Look at them now, look at them now, aren't they fabulous? Scream Queens Hall of Fame. Yeah, get your bouquet of flowers, get your tiara, and fucking rock the runway. Yes, congratulations, congratulations. Now, I know you two don't listen to this show. So um, there's one thing you should know. That, yeah, you get the donation to the cause of your choice. And a tiara. You can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes around the tiara. You win the tiaras, but you never actually get the tiaras because, you see, all tiaras are mine. So it's more an honorary tiara. It's like a conceptual tiara. It's a whole thing. There's like 10 years of history behind this. You're just going to have to keep up with the program. But just congratulations. You are doing incredible work. So everybody, go check out your queer story. And let them know that you heard about it here on Scream Queens. And let them know what you think of the work that they're doing. And see what you can do to help. And just, I'm, I'm putting it out here right now. The Scream Queens Horror Podcast is behind you 100%. Anything we can do to help you make your cause happen, I'm down. I am 100% willing to help. Just let me know. Welcome to Scream Queens, Evan and Paul. We're crazy, but we're nice people. All right. Speaking of being crazy and nice people, can we talk a little bit about what happened with the Creepy Kitsch Girls? Why this episode is so very, very, very late. Okay, here's what happened. The whole point of me sitting down with Cindy and Stacy and doing Invasion of the Body Snatches is because I'm still trying to ease back into the show after the fundraiser because I'm still like, like doing an actual show is weird. Right now, because I haven't actually recorded an actual episode in a very long time, you know, all those segments for the Pontathon were, were, were recorded so far in advance. So actually doing an ep- a sit-down interview is still kind of new again. And it's been so long that I, when I logged into Squadcast, like everything looked new, like the whole interface was new. I got a little bit confused. And apparently, had I been keeping up with reading my emails from Squadcast, I would know that there were certain protocols that need to be handled differently. For instance, like what happens if you lose connectivity? Now, during the episode, we lost connectivity. During the interview, I should say. I lost connectivity. It's just a Wi-Fi thing. It happens. It's nobody's fault. It's just, you know, Wi-Fi is still a spotty thing and it's still, you know, something you have to mess with. But we reconnected and I thought everything was okay, but it wasn't. The whole file corrupted. 
So what I was left with was nine minutes of before we even started talking, and I thought everything was gone. I recorded a whole other episode. I tried to piece together everything that we talked about because, you know, the deadline's ticking, tick, 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 tick. I want to get a show out to you guys, and I wasn't happy with it, but, you know, and I'm just about to click the buttons to get everything sent out to you guys when I get a notice from Squadcast that they found the files on their backup system. I'm delighted. The problem is, is that these are really rough, raw files. They're not the quality files that I normally would get from Squadcast because it's from their backup system. It's a recording of my recording. So like this, the time sync between the tracks that I always get was not lining up properly. The sound cuts in and out. And unfortunately, that's the best they can do. And I had to make a decision. I said, okay, do I try to salvage as much of this audio as I possibly can, making endless amount of extra work for me, or do I put out the eh episode that I slapped together in a rush trying to get something out to you guys? And I have to say, I'm always going to have to go with the guest. I mean, Cindy and Stacy bring such life to everything. It would be a crime to let that go. So I've had to go through and piece together as much as I can. And unfortunately, there's only so much I can do. Like, it's particularly oddly, it's my track that keeps cutting out. So, at certain points, I will jump back in live and try to fill in the blank. But at a certain point, around the 40-minute mark, it just becomes so... It really wasn't worth the effort after a certain point. But, you know, you are getting an episode with the Creepy Kids Girls. We are talking about... Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And so we're going to have a great, crazy, unhinged time because that is what you bring Stacy and Cindy on to do. And they provide it in Bucketful. So enough of my babbling. Why don't we just take a little break, take a little breather, do not take a nap, but listen to the trailer for Invasion of the Body Snatchers and get ready for Stacy and Cindy from Creepy Kitch. They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt, and they survive. The function of all life is survival. Sleep, sleep, sleep. From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows. Matthew! Matthew! Wake the others! Elizabeth, wake up! Get you when you sleep! Sit up! Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed. All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. I can't find anything in here that looks like a body. My side's nosebleed. It looked right at me. You're looking at it as if it was human. It was not human. Now, the classic fear begins to grow. <laughs> We're being cornered. In a modern masterpiece of science fiction. The street. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Starring Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. 
from deep space. The seed is planted. Terror grows. Gentlemen, boys and girls, and my GNCs, wherever you may be, get ready to kick off the first real Scream Queens episode of 2020 with a real theme. And what's the theme? Can I remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. New Year, New You. <gasps> Not you. Anyway, we'll explain it later. It's brilliantly funny. Trust me, you'll be hilarious. Hilar- hilar- shut up. Okay, you know what? Fuck this. You know what? Hey, hey, you know what? You think that joke was bad? You know who's here? The fucking creepy kitsch girls. Yay! This is going to be even worse. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, put your hands together for Cindy and Stacy from Creepy Kitsch. Hey! <laughs> you were supposed to wait 30 seconds. It was three seconds. Three seconds. Oh, I thought you said three. three. Sorry. I just want everybody, if they're going to clap for me, I want them to clap their labia, please. Yes. I actually Nobody's, want them to stand okay, up right. and clap their labias for me. Actually. Yes. Well, you can't do it sitting down. It's not going to work. No, no. You got to like get some thigh action in there. Yes. Please don't do it if you're on the subway or on the bus or, or in public. No, do it on the, on the subway. subway or the bus. If you're going to do it, commit. Yes. I mean, commit. If you're happy and you know it, clap your labs. That's right. If you're happy and you know it, clap your labs. Clap, clap. Well, so we are all to a rip roaring start. Professionals, <laughs> as always. Party That's why I bring you. Just saying, you could only hear the Patreon uh, bonus material that we recorded before this. Uh, yeah. More like boners material. <laughs> hey, uh. Somewhere someone is going to masturbate to that conversation. Oh, I'm just sure. going to say that right now. I already did twice, but that's not the point right now. But anyway, after, after you know, the, granted the, the whole fundraiser, uh, Countdown Halloween fundraiser, huge success. Made more Yay! money than we did two years put together. But you know what? It was fucking exhausting. <laughs> and the idea of doing a serious episode to kick this shit off just made me want to barf. So I said, I'm going to bring on the Creepy Kids Girls, but going to be a movie that does not suck. <laughs> which is unlike what we face. usually do i know usually we do shitty movies so this hey, did i give you one last time did i give you one no, last actually, time actually you no. gave us a really good one last no time. i like the ones that we watched last time I, yeah i was talking about our show in general yeah we usually do shitty movies so <laughs> look we're gonna do ghoulies four again it's okay Oh, fuck you, Stacey. Fuck you. <laughs> I have three copies of that movie. Oh, I know. Fuck you. Compendium on Ghoulies 4. And that's why I'm still holding your Reap of Genetic Opera on hostage, and I still I have just, it. I was just thinking the other day that I'd like to hate fuck the gravedigger in uh, Reap of the Genetic Opera. Yeah, I'm not surprised. That does not surprise I mean, me in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so. Sometimes you just want to hate fuck a necrophilic drug dealer. Yeah, You do that, I'll be nipping off with Giles. You have fun. <laughs> But only if he turns into Ripper. I was going to say, Giles is probably going to nip something off for real in that case. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on if you, do you press the right button to get that reaction? Or do you just, just like, well, scream his wife's name and then he just or says, it just- <laughs> 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 Oh my god, <laughs> worst foreplay ever! <laughs> Oh, I'm going to hell, but it's a company. See you there. Oh, shit. This scream, Take the high occupancy vehicle, Oh, my God. Marty! 
So since we're not talking about Repo the Genetic Opera, what movie are we talking about, lady? <laughs> we are talking about Invasion of Body Snatchers from 1978, starring Donald Sutherland's Afro and his unfortunate mustache. Yes, but there's something kind of provocative about 1970s Donald Sutherland, and I'm, yeah. I will oh, probably yeah. say that. I don't know what it is about his horrible, horrible perm and his horrible, horrible facial hair, but it kind of does it for me a little bit. One of the... <laughs> Classic tales of sci-fi paranoia and one of the best remakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ever. Oh, yeah. Nobody gives any love to. I don't know why. I'm sorry, say that again. It's great. Really? I people mean, don't like those? great remakes. They always go for the thing. Nobody ever mentions Body Snatchers. Oh, I love the thing, too. But God, Body Snatchers is fucking brilliant. Yeah, this it is really good. Of, it is like it really takes what the original movie was about and like just magnifies it by 110. Well, I would to be just, fair too though. I mean, the original movie is claustrophobic as fuck. Oh, it, the original movie is great, but it's like, I, it really improves on it. And I, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it it's still had so that fifties cool. falseness to the style. Right, like, everybody right. was normal. They still didn't really seem like real people anyway. Right. Yeah. Only <laughs> with Mr. No, 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 no. But this, everybody seemed like so, what I thought was funny was that I mentioned I was reviewing this, uh, I was covering this on the show, and someone on Twitter said, "Oh my God, that movie's so awesome!" But you know, it would never happen today with social media. We would know like that. Not, no, I really see. Uh, I thought this was no. more prescient today than it would have been like rewatching it in the '80s or something like I that. Said, yeah, I are agree. you kidding me? You're going to tell from my smiley face emoji that it's not me, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You'll get one emoji from somebody for three weeks, and you'll be like, "Yeah, they're fine." It's like if people can be fooled by Twitter bots, then people can be fooled by pod people. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, or just think about like the, you know, like the fucking the soccer mom on, on Facebook. Everything's magical. Everything's wonderful. But in real life, her life's falling apart. Exactly. Uh, I Good. fucking love this movie. I, and and what I was like, I hadn't seen it for a long time. And then I got to watch it. I actually never here. watched it. Oh, really? Oh, I love this fucking movie. No, because I knew it had a downer ending, so I avoided it. But every single, like, frame Depends of that movie. Depends who side you're on. Uh, touche. Fair enough. But every single frame of that movie is, like, seriously, beautifully engineered to make you fucking paranoid. Like, every yeah. Oh, yeah, super. But, but you have to be. Paranoia is a survival instinct in this movie. Oh, yeah, and that's what I love so much about it, was, like, it ramped it up, like, from, like, literally the first frame, first and you're frame. just, like... Do you yeah. know who that is? Do you, do you know, in that first scene, well, not the. I, I also think the special effects. The, the movie I think was made for four hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow! Even wow. seventy standards. That's amazing. That's and those really outer space good. effects are great. Yes, I oh, thought that. Like, yeah. I forgot the like the Chinese the, the, craft store. The yeah, I, I was going to say I really liked the the score. I think was as much a character as anything else. I love in the, the beginning. There, the, when the well, and when the little globules are like shooting towards Earth, it's very like 1950s sci-fi. Yes. And then you get to Earth, and then it's like all of the weird like theremin or whatever the fuck the you know like the the photo cube sound from Texas Chainsaw, like all of that like weird found sound to create a a soundtrack. I really like it. Oh yeah. I, the soundtrack was amazing. And like I said, every I, I loved the naturalistic dialogue that people were talking over each other and overlapping. I loved mm-hmm. how there were just these wonderful, like in the very beginning, everything started out so subtly. Like the, the part that always got me was when it was Elizabeth and Matthew walking through their own office. And it literally is like a five second shot where they pass by a glass door and there's a dude pressed up against that fucking door mm-hmm. watching them 
And that, they call no like, attention to it. They never yeah, come back to it. They never come back to it. Them. Nothing. It is just so quick, but it's so right. like, boring. There's and you're stuff like, going on in the background in every frame from the beginning. And you either notice it or you don't because they don't notice it. Why would you notice it? It's nothing. It right. doesn't concern me. I'm a busy person in San Francisco going about my day and I'm very self-involved because it's 1970s. Yes. Well, and it's uh, you can also see too where Shaun of the Dead, like the opening th- scenes in Shaun of the Dead, were very were very heavily influenced by this. Oh yeah. I didn't yeah. realize how overt it was. Oh um, yeah, you can totally I see that. Don't e- didn't even remember this opening shot where you see the teacher walking with the kids, saying, "Oh, go pick the plants, bring home to your mom." Yes. Like, Already mm. fucking started. And yeah. there's a priest on the swing set just watching them. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I was like, was like a priest on a swing set, the creepiest shit you could ever possibly imagine. Do you know who that priest was? Uh, I must know. Robert Duvall. Seriously? He was working up the street and he did it. He said, are you fucking serious? Yeah. He did it for a Union Bay bomber jacket. Oh my God. I never, I couldn't tell because he was moving so Holy shit. Yeah, that was one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. Was a fucking priest in his cassock riding. The, yep, it's there right. it is. Well, staring at children yeah. picking flowers. Staring right. at children. He's either a pot person or a priest. Like with the most serious face you could possibly imagine. Right. Well, I'm watching it. Unnerving. And I'm like, okay, so is this supposed to be '70s whimsy or is this like he's a pedophile? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, it could go either way. <laughs> and I think the answer to that question is yes. The yes. higher the heels, the closer to God. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just yeah, the, like, I ever present garbage trucks. Movie. Like you keep seeing garbage trucks all the yes. time, and you don't notice them. Yes. Nobody else notices them because you don't notice them. And then after a while, you realize they're doing bad things. Yes. Oh yeah. And then you start noticing a lot of garbage trucks. Yes. And, um, I am going to say this though. I just I, I'm skipping ahead. Was is is it me or was that the most depressing bathhouse in the world that Veronica oh, right yeah. now? Tell me, tell me you're going to a bathhouse in San Francisco. San Francisco with no gay 70s. people because apparently the pod people have already arrived. <laughs> I also like, like we are out of here. <laughs> well, and, it's, and I also liked the bit at the very beginning when uh, the main character, I forget her name. Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thank you. Um, she's talking to Donald Sutherland and he's trying to get her to go see Leonard Nimoy. And he's like, well, maybe he turned gay. And I'm just like, yes, maybe he turned gay. Oh God, I thought I was going to die. I think I'm going to be gay. Yeah, just suddenly he's like, I'm gay now. He's just like, I'm trying to be straight. If it was logical to turn gay, Leonard Nimoy would have done it. Be like, yes, that is quite logical. Oh yeah, and um, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy with a stern daddy voice. I'm just gonna say, I was, that. I'm gonna say, yes. daddy. I right start there. watching that, and the first scene where he's like reuniting the couple, and I'm just like, dude, I want '70s Leonard Nimoy to be my daddy. Holy it shit! Literally was '70s stern daddy Leonard Nimoy. Yes, it was. There was something kind of like I'm not there for it. I don't know what it was about every dude in this movie that kind of did it for me. Maybe it's because I was born in 76. I don't know. But I was just like, yeah. You know, they were all fucking everybody was fucking everybody and doing all the cocaine. Oh, there was yeah. nothing to worry about then. But Jeff Goldblum and you could see his fucking ribs. Even though I'm a fan of older Goldblum, I'm just like, yeah. No, younger Goldblum, I wasn't mad at either. Holy No, fuck. I mean, him and his giant eyes and his rib cage. It's like, yep. fuck, man. Speaking <laughs> of seeing things, here's another PG movie with Two penises in it. Yeah, you're right. Oh my god, I forgot. I never PG noticed movie. when that guy's getting out of the the, the mud. Oh uh, yeah, the, the guy who can't get out at first. He's yeah. totally hanging a rat. You can see his muddy fruit bowl. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know. I looked. I was like, can, yep, they're there. 
Yeah, so there's his peas and carrots. There you go. And then, there's the one, <laughs> and then you see Donald Sutherland's fake one on his pod person, but they just linger yeah. on it. I'm like, yep, that's a penis right there, Santa like, Camera, in a PG movie that I saw with my dad a, in 1978. It's a plant, like, it's a plant wing. It's not real. In a weird way. Like, there's that scene where Elizabeth comes up behind Jeffrey, her boyfriend, after he's been changed. Fuck Jeffrey. And fuck she's Jeffrey. Kinda like, oh, fuck <laughs> that guy was a dick. But I was like, laugh. I mean, Dick is a human and Dick is an alien. But he was like, she like goes up behind him and does something. And then suddenly it's like this realization of oh, you're not Jeffrey. And all uh-huh. I kept thinking was, is did she reach down his pants and realize he was smooth as a Ken doll? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was kind of like, that was my head cannon. The rest of the, like the viewing was, his uh, yeah, they don't have genitals. They don't need them. It's fine. His butthole is so small. It's so small. So many questions about that. Like, it's like, do they fuck? I mean, they're doing everything else. Like, Probably. Yeah. Why? Why would you go to work for the health department if everybody's a plant now? Like that's not how they. Re- that's not how they reproduce. Yeah, I know, but I know. So it, it does. It like, might, why do they need the genitals? I want everybody to fuck everybody. Odd <laughs> fucking fuck that pond. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that pond. You should Basically. hear. Uh, Texas all the it's time. True. I just want them to fuck. Yeah. Well, like, you know, BTWs. I made it like seventy percent into that book, and they still hadn't fucked. And I'm like, I'm out. Fuck it. I got other things 70, that I got to read. Fifty percent, I can understand. Seventy percent. So I went over to the octopus dude fucking the human woman, and much better, much better. Uh, well, that's always better. Is the octopus people getting railed by octopus dick? <laughs> Sorry, well, the ironic about, part is. Um, the, the ironic part is that take place in space, and there's a yeah, lot. Of- I, I'm really into seven foot aliens railing human women. It's fun. I zone out for one second, and this is what happened. <laughs> well, you've nobody to blame but yourself, Patrick. This is what happens when you don't have control of the conversation, Patrick. And you didn't have control of the conversation the minute you invited us on the show. No, I can actually see, I can actually see being turned on by Donald Sutherland because now that I've seen Don't Look Now as an adult and seen that famous sex scene, I'm like, ooh, Donald. You got moves. I know, right? There's or like like, like he was weirdly sexy in Clute too. Did you ever see Clute? Oh yeah. I have not seen Clute. Oh, yeah. I liked it's, him in well, It's a good Jane movie. Bonner, she looked at her fucking watch. Well, who cares about her? I'm talking about Donald Sutherland. But it's just like he's 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 got a weird like he's like he's like so anti-sexy, he's sexy. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's something with his bug eyes. I don't know. There uh, Honestly, what was the movie I liked him in was Return of Max Dugan if anyone fucking remembers that movie at all. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Someone remembers that movie. I've heard of it, but I don't think I ever saw it. It's fucking hilarious. It's a Neil Simon film, and he's the romantic lead in it. And he is so goddamn charming that I just loved him in that movie. That was the first movie I ever saw him in. And plus, he cut his teeth on all those old, like, William Castle movies, like uh, Die Guy, mm-hmm. My Darling. And, and wasn't he in Spider Baby, too? Something? Was he? Sutherland? No, I don't think so. Right, you no, know, he was definitely in Die Die, My Darling with Tallulah Bank. Um, No, it was a. Uh, uh, God damn it. Lon Chaney Jr. was in Spider Baby. Uh-huh. I don't think anybody else particularly of note. My mom Sorry. was in it. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, your mom. Anyway. <laughs> no, I, I, and he's a good actor to, on top he's of a, it. He is a good actor. He's fucking talented as shit. But. Since the longtime listeners will know, one of the reasons I want to do this movie is because I'm a massive Veronica Cartwright fanatic. She's a badass. I fucking love I her. Way, back, fucking way, love way, her. way, way back in season one, I crowned her the first and so far the only Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> she, I think she earned it. I mean, she cut her teeth and the fucking the birds. Nobody can scream, cry, and die. She is the most wonderful, emotional, 
for tiny sure. little powerhouse. There is in no the world. shame. There is no modesty. There's no. Uh, do I look pretty? Do I look? Doesn't care. I'm. Going oh, she ugly cries like a goddamn champ. She does, but she's so like. Weird. She's another one of those. She's another one of those, one of those ones that we're gonna find out. There's high elves, and she's one of them. But oh, she's yeah. on the, she's she's just so like weird and ethereal and delicate looking. And then she ugly cries, and it's like the contrast is you're like yes, yes, yeah. And then you see her in interviews, and she's a fucking badass. She's yeah, she's like, hilarious too. Like hilarious, and she's crass, and she's funny, and she's like you know she's a tough bitch. Uh, and I just love her for that. But then she plays these delicate little ethereal creatures on the screen. And I love her for it. She's just awesome. Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And did that movie with lesbians. That wasn't about lesbians. It was <laughs> Children's <laughs> Hour with uh, Shirley MacLaine. And, uh, oh, Hepburn. yes. I don't think I've ever. She was, in that. She, was, she was the one who did the bad thing that got them in trouble. She, <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot she was in the children's hour, which in the movie it wasn't about lesbians, we, but in the play it was definitely about we, lesbians. Well, it was, it was about lesbians, but we couldn't say it was about lesbians, so we all just whispered every time we were. <laughs> Maybe they won't figure it out. <laughs> about lesbians. I whispered. I'm in lesbians with you. Lebanese and- <laughs> political lesbianism. She's from Lebanese. Anyway, she said <laughs> one of the things that was delightful was getting um, like she would be doing those awful scenes in the mud bath. And, you know, her and Jeff Goldblum would be like, uh, and those were repulsive fucking mud baths. I'm just gonna say. That's a spa. I mean, that's a spa that you actually want to, before people made them fancy. And that is probably what you would get. It is a working guy's spa and that totally works. But it was gross, and she would have to spend all day in the mm-hmm. mud with that awful hair. And then she, and then at night, would be up on top of the hotel drinking champagne with Donald Sutherland. Except they wanted him to have his hair curly for this role, so he had to wear little pink curlers all night. In his beard. are you oh kidding? Oh my god! Oh my god. They'd, be, they'd be sipping champagne on the roof of like the the Transamerica Pyramid, <laughs> him little, little pink curlers, watching the world end. That, that makes me love hysterical. him even more. Actually, <laughs> it also like you. I know you've read it. Have you ever read Bloodsucking uh, Fiends, A Love Story, Patrick? It's a book by Christopher God, Moore. I love that book, no. book so much. It has, it features the, the the pyramid in it. And so every goddamn time I saw it, I just kept The guy who wrote of, the thing about the el- the angel, like the worst Christmas angel. Yeah. But, yes, yes, yes. The stupidest Christmas the angel. Stupidest, yeah, yeah I, stupidest I, Christmas I, yes. The uh, Lamb, which is one of my cool. favorite books ever. Um, but there's a, there's a bit in there about how, oh yeah, there's somebody who goes in and dulls all the the letter opener so that people don't slip the wrists in there. <laughs> and I just kept I, thinking of that every fucking time it was. I laughed because handful? that book, I, after living in San Francisco, I laughed so hard after reading blood sucking fiends. Cause I'm like, yep. Yeah. It's set <laughs> like, in, it's set in San Francisco and in and around the tenderloin actually. So. Nice. But one of the things that I think that San Francisco is such a great location for this too, cause you know, it's known for being such a progressive city and, open-minded yeah forward thinking and it's and it's also in a weird way i mean if you've been there it feels slightly claustrophobic in certain places Um, and they really i thought captured that a lot where it's just it's a really san francisco is a really fucking hard city to navigate because everything goes uphill and you can never turn left and it's just claustrophobic and one minute you're like in like up a hill and the next minute you're in the fucking bay and it's macaroni everywhere you go it's yeah pretty much goddamn macaroni anyway uh <laughs> fucking salt water taffy and macaroni and rice aroni and that's all you goddamn ghirardelli oh anyway. you fucking get but it's like it, it is like they, it was a perfect city to, i thought 
uh, to set this movie in because it, one, it's the you know it's considered this very like laid back progressive city, and also it's like got that still urban um, claustrophobia about yeah. it. And it was funny because certain streets I remember as a kid that they were they shot this movie on, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that steak house. I remember being that being near a Golden Gate Theater and all this stuff. And it's like, and it's like, uh, and at the time, at the seventies, that whole like like a lot of those streets they shot on are fucking shitholes back then. I mean, it's right. gentrified now, but back then I, it was a fucking shithole and it was scary and it was like constantly people on the street coming right at mm-hmm. you and all that. And it was. It was really, it, it really, the setting, I think, really set this movie off. Right, because like in the first one, it was small town. So it was like everybody knew everybody. But this, this part of it is that you don't know anybody. So you don't notice anybody. You actively spend your day ignoring people. So you're not right. going to notice when it? things are bad or happening. Oh, does it concern me? Nope. Got to keep going. Blah, blah, blah. Got my things to do. Got to go pick a red bird out of my French stew. But yeah, that, that yeah. 70s, like big town <laughs> mentality kind of thing. I'm sorry, what? I said it, it's like that 70s big town, you know, that doesn't control or concern me, fuck you mentality. And what As I liked about it is modern, San Francisco kind of, yeah. San Francisco always used to like pride itself arrogantly on the, we're not like other cities. We're actually like human people. And I think that just kind of like drives home this movie even more because that, you know, it's like, it is literally laughing at that arrogance of that city, you know, and I, and I kind of love that about it. Nobody even called me on it. I didn't even what? hear you. I said I went there and I did not wear a flower in my hair, and nobody even called me on it. So it oh, you're gonna get kicked out because you have to be sure to wear flowers in oh, your hair. I was, if hair. I was there, I would have called you out, bitch. But alas, I don't want to. If you're going to San Francisco, I like that song. Be sure to wear some flowers in your tank. Some flowers in your hair and your taint, some, actually. Some gentle people there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my, I, I loved San Francisco. It was wonderful. It kind of made me who I am, but there's definitely an arrogance going on over there. Well, I'm sure. I mean, shit, man. I lived in uh, Oakland and we'd go into San Francisco and it was like, oh, we're in the nice section of town. Cause I lived in Oakland in 1982. Yeah. And there's always been this like crazy rivalry between Oakland and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's why I laugh. Cause I'm all like those people in Oakland would not let their people in there. They'd be just rotting. <laughs> So. <laughs> fuck you and fuck your fruit. Fuck you and fuck your pods. You stay in your little bubble city, you know, bitches. It's like <laughs> I just realized they gathered up all those pods and opened up the stinking rose restaurant. Oh my god! <laughs> the only one I know of stinking rose wise is in L.A. So. Oh man, I went there when, my first time in San Francisco. After I saw the Tales of the City miniseries, I fell in love with San Francisco and just had to go. And everyone yeah. said. You know, even though it's touristy, you go to the Stinking Rose, and we went. Everything. If you don't know, everything on the menu is slathered in garlic. Everything. There's garlic beer. Oh, yeah. There's garlic ice cream. There's garlic. Frankly, garlic I love that paper. shit because I love garlic. So Fuck yeah, how can you not? And love after that, my, God, my boyfriend so at the time we went to see uh, Oh Beach Blanket Babylon with these tiny. Oh my God! Wow, you were there a long these time. Tiny ago. <laughs> little cabaret tables that are just on top of each other. And the next day, we went out sightseeing. Went yeah. back to our B and B bedroom. Opened the door. Was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you can smell the garlic from 20 feet away from your dorm. You're just like, we were sitting next to people, like, basically in our lap all night. Oh my God. Gross. Yep. But we, 
But I think that the city really, I, I think that it, the, setting it in San Francisco actually just made it more effective, in my personal opinion, the movie. I, I do, I, too, I, because New York, I think, would be too obvious. I mean, it would just be Chud, but with you know, a different population, basically. Exactly. And so it was kind of like setting it in that laid back city where everyone thinks they're so superior makes it like, you know, kind of scarier yeah. in a weird sort of way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, like everyone was a seventies daddy. I totally would have done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally, oh, yeah. Right. Hearing it's that like for the quarter so much- when they walk. Yes. <laughs> what got me was the, when they're, it was the, the time when they were pretending to be like, like they, they'd already been absorbed and it's right before she sees the dog with the, the guy's head. And oh, God, there was yes. somebody who was walking in front of him who had full fucking uh, Herb, what's his name from WKRP in seven, uh, Cincinnati. Herb Carlson? <laughs> yes, plaid pants. Oh, and I Tarlick, just, Tarlick. Just, just, yeah, her, that's it. I just remember watching it and just being like, that's not it. That's not, there's no aesthetic appeal to that. Who looked at that and thought, I need loud gray plaid pants it was okay with that, that was it was the 70s all I grew up in was, okay was loud gray it. plaid pants <laughs> i um what was it you just mentioned about that i i damn near died and and i shouldn't laugh because it was actually when i first saw the movie that that dog with the human face scared the fuck out of me the first time i yeah. saw it i was like what the shit i thought and I watched I it was the coming recently. and i was like that's fucking gross and it was like I literally just heard that same like banjo music that their name 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 thing was running by, and I just got hysterical. Um, but I will say what always shocked me. I'm I, like, we're gonna give spoilers. I'm just gonna throw that out there. It's an old movie. Who gives a shit? But um, sure, of course, I am gonna say that uh, the part that makes me laugh the most is when Veronica Cartwright's character, who is the most emotional. Veronica Cartwright's character is right the whole movie. She's not crazy theories, but they're right, and nobody listens to her. She's funny in her interview. She's like, it was the same way with Lambert and Alien. Nobody listens to Lambert. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, she's, like, oh, she's, she's, she's right. and her, and her like, shoot him off into space. Like, like, yes, we should. Her character in Witches of Eastwick. It's the same goddamn nobody thing. Listens. Yeah, it's like. It just, it blew my mind. I don't know why that always made me just like laugh because she's always. Translation from the future. Unfortunately, there was a huge dropout in sound here that went on for several minutes. That's just unsalvageable. And unfortunately, it's when I'm talking about Veronica Cartwright. And basically what we're saying about Veronica Cartwright is that she's right. The whole movie, everything that she says, all of her theories about what's going on are actually right. But nobody listens to her. And yet this totally emotional person who's always on the verge of the most gorgeous, amazing breakdown is the one who's able to learn how to pass unemotionally among the aliens. And, you know, she's figured out everything. And nobody listens to her, goddammit. Always listen to Veronica Cartwright. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? So many movies would have had a much better ending had you just listened to Veronica Cartwright. But no. But then you wouldn't have a movie. Oh, well. The other thing that I'm very upset that we lost is we talk about the scene that I find the most eerie, which is when, towards the end of the movie, just before the final battle, when... Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams are hiding and they come upon the um, docks that are being loaded with these pods onto ships going out. But they hear over the sound system, Amazing Grace being played on bagpipes, which you heard in the trailer. And people go, why is that in the movie? It's so eerie and it's so wonderful. And they're thinking, oh my God, oh my God, there's people on that ship, there's people. 
maybe we can get on board or whatever. And then all of a sudden the radio changes. You realize, oh, it's not really anybody playing music on the ship. It's just what was on the radio being broadcast from somewhere else. And then it gets turned to the weather. And I don't know what it is with these pond people. They're obsessed with the weather. Like every time you see them watching TV, it's always the weather. Anytime you see them listening to the radio, it's the weather. I guess if you're plants, the weather is very important. But it just made me really, it makes me really sad. And I find it really haunting because here it really becomes clear that in this world, there's no room for music. Music is an expression of emotion and they don't have human emotions. So they have no need for music. So there's no need for art. And there's no need for love. And there's no need for laughter. There's just no need for it. There's no place for it here. So we're not even going to entertain it. Let's listen to the weather. That's concrete news. Valuable news for our people. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Nobody's getting saved by grace this time around. Sorry, kids. Wonderful, eerie moment. But unfortunately, lost to the ages. And now, we're going to switch back mid-conversation to the conversation on... (laughs) that I've had several times on how Brooke Adams, Karen Allen, and Jessica Harper for the longest time were the same person in my head because they all look kind of the same and they were popular at the same time. To be fair, to be oh, fair, my- he was on a lot of speed. I love that where it says, take one pill. Let's take five. Yeah, let's try a fucking heart attack before the aliens get snort us. Well, she's had a bad night. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, amazing grace, yeah a scene where like those pods were growing them people mm-hmm. like the that whole scene Super where Donald, when Don Sutherland falls asleep on the roof and then all those plants start popping open yeah that was so good like I was, and his yeah. eyes are like rolling back in his head as it's making con the, the cotton candy wisps are making contact me too when he starts cracking this is the yes. movie we got yes. tits well or sure yeah but I, I would like to note, though, we had tits, but we had no nipples. There were no nipples. Did she? Okay. Every other time, she had no nipple. She was sans nipocles when she's. Oh, did, no, I don't think she did then. No, I she, she did. I looked in the greenhouse. No, she didn't have nipples right. there. It's at the very end when she's fully formed. Right. But when she's fully formed at the very end after like Elizabeth crumbles away and then she pops up, like the duplicate pops up, she had nips. I was looking for him, I'll be honest. And I had her face. Okay, I'll take your word for it. When her face, when she was yelling, not yelling, I'm going, Matthew, you know, it didn't hurt at all. It wasn't painful. You should just come on. It's wonderful. The deadest, deadest face. Like not even just like sneak, but just like almost like stroke. Just did nobody home. Nobody home. She is gone. Mm Which is interesting because when Jeff Goldblum's character comes in, he almost seems pissed off. Like, we should have gone to sleep earlier. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting seeing, like, how it manifests well, in like, different characters. Like, it's like, like they like, don't quite understand. Only, uh, wait, what, is, what did they say? The only drive is to survive. That's all they're interested in. Mm-hmm. And they, I, it, they do, like, when they fall off of things and get hurt, they do scream. So they do have emotion. They just don't show much. They don't have humor. Right. Yeah, I think what it 
when you said when you mentioned like you know Jeff Goldblum's double being kind of like pissy and and angry and stuff, it felt like they just were like, well, let's boil down the, them to their basic essence, well, right? Like, you know, because Jeff Goldblum right. for the whole goddamn movie was just this pissy little bitch, and then like uh, you know, and Elizabeth was pretty well contained. Sure. He really fucking is. Well, and that whole bit where he's almost, it's almost like he's stalking, like, like he's like stalking Leonard Nimoy's character. Like, I don't even understand what the hell he was hoping to accomplish from that whole interaction when they're at the bookstore. He read his poetry. He said he wanted to read his poetry. That's what she said. Uh, Veronica Carver said he didn't let you read your poetry again in his book signing. Well, it's his book signing, honey. No, I, but at the same time, but it's like he never, he was just aggressive and unlikable. Like he never said, excuse me, I'd like to read my poetry. Instead, he's like, you know, yelling into a funhouse mirror. And it was, I don't know, that whole thing. I mean, it was very chaotic, which, yeah, it was very chaotic, which it was supposed to be, obviously. But it was just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, go away. <laughs> Actual, that's exactly right. what he reminded me of. And, oh, no, for um, sure. For and sure. I, I, he really embodied that beautifully. <laughs> 100%. Cigarettes and read the collected week, works of Nietzsche, or at least yeah. pretend to. I'll carry the book around. It's, yeah, they're it's all like, Rick from uh, The Young Ones. Every single one. Yeah. <laughs> You're just one like, my shut up. Part yes, is, um, thank you. That woman at the party. She's like, my, my husband's not my husband. Because oh, he's the got this who, yeah. star on the back of his neck. And he last this morning, he was getting out of the shower. And Leonard Nimoy goes, and it wasn't there? The scar was gone? She goes, no, it was still there. <laughs> I know. God. I, yeah, I really wanted somebody to be like, okay, and? <laughs> was it backwards? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Why'd you bring it up? Right. Even though they have this, yeah, even though they have the scars, it's still not them. I don't know. We did see plants on the seven. Honey, it was the seventies. There was nothing. That's true. It was just very hairy. <laughs> so, yeah, the, I did laugh though. Didn't one know of my where the beard like, stopped and the pubes ended. It was all, it was all just. Yeah, basically, it was just a pelt. Backing up to going like, from nose to knees. Backing up to like Jeff Goldblum. I, I it backed up to Jeff Goldblum. I kind of laughed my ass off at um. The scene where, you know, he's at the party and he's all like, I am an intellectual rage monster. And then he comes back to see his wife and and she and he's all pouty and he walks in and he goes into the steam room and like hangs his head out the window of the door like a fucking hound dog. And I'm like, if that didn't embody that character beautifully, like we don't even know have to know anything else about him. That moment just says everything about that fucking character. (laughs) But at the same time, I thought his relationship with his wife was really sweet. It was, in, actually. In its own way. Like, you, can like, you could that tell they that they, they loved each other. Yeah. And he really loved her and supported her and believed her, actually, through the whole thing. But, you know, it's yeah. like, doesn't mean he wasn't still a dick. Everything. But <laughs> sure. And no, she's for like sure, trying for to tell sure. the policeman about the body. And he's just like, I had a nosebleed. Just, just like, ne- not, never on the same page with anybody. It's just all about I'm like, right. the most wonderful woman with the worst hairstyle right now. I kind of like her Heidi Braids. I did too. Yeah, I liked her Heidi Braids. I'll be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> hmm. 
Philip Kaufman is the name of the director. I just looked it up. <laughs> You're um, welcome. She's saying that whole scene where she's saying, well, why, why, why not metal ships? Why are we always, you know, why not space flowers? Mm-hmm. That whole scene, yeah. like, I don't get any of this dialogue about the spaceships coming down and mating with the monkeys. I don't get it. I don't know where it's coming from. Can we just play around? <laughs> I think that's what I, I loved about Veronica Cartwright's character is she was the one who was actually the most logical about it. Like she, cause mm-hmm. she was so open-minded about there's a dead guy and he's covered in like weird hairy cobwebs in my fucking bathhouse. And but he's not yeah, dead because you know, he opened his eyes and I fucking saw it. And he looks like my fucking husband. And what that you know, and I I just loved her. Like she was my favorite character actually it's in the whole. Just movie. needed to take those braids yeah. out the errands off and start slapping bitches. <laughs> I, I would have watched the movie. It would be like Veronica Cartwright, alien killer. Like I would have been so down with her and her Heidi braids and her tiny little shorts and like a fucking like machete. And I would have been so down you know, for that. Right? <laughs> this movie has in common with alien. You know, the chest burster what? scene, mm-hmm. you know how they didn't tell mm-hmm. the cast mm-hmm. and right. how everything landed on Veronica Cartwright. Like all the blood landed on her. Blood. Yes. <laughs> Best her possible scream reaction. was real. They didn't tell her the ending. Mm. No way. Well, they didn't tell her. One. This point, that, that her character. He told her, he told her that Matthew was okay at the end, and he told Matthew. Oh, but they didn't tell each other. He went into play wow. a different scene, and he All went like- into play a completely different scene. How did this right. woman not have a nervous breakdown before, like, her acting career took off is beyond or me. Just like, fucking just, start murdering people. Like, I would just be like, I trust no director going forward. <laughs> I love her, though. She's She was wonderful in this. Like, I mean, I love her in everything I've seen her in, but I really For loved sure. her in this. Um, because her character was just, like, she was kind of like, I felt the voice of the audience in a lot of ways. Where she wasn't really, she was the only one I felt was like mildly empathic, I yeah. guess is a good way of putting it. Like she, she actually like, kind of like. Or, yeah, or just and trying to the one that's negate like, what the next last person said. She's yes ending everybody exactly. and she's at the right solution. Well, she seems like she's, she's the one that it's like, she's the most open. She's the most direct where she's like, yes, this is happening. I believe this is happening because I saw this happening. I don't care how yeah, probable I've, it is. I've I believe out, what I I've saw. I've around for hours. Nobody has begged me. Yeah. Okay, nobody. With this face, nobody has begged me. Right. And that like still makes me laugh that the most emotional character in the entire movie is the one that was able to fuck right. all over. The <laughs> one who's able to... To, to fucking hold it together. And like I said, my my dream of her character isn't that she was like, you know, mercilessly murdered by all these like pod people is that she started this like uprising and right. was like Veronica Cartwright alien killer, you know? So, she's, the, she's the one that saved the day. I like to think that that's... They're like, you know what, that face, that face is too much. We're, we can't do that to her. Look at her face. Look at how upset she is. Right. She's very sad. You uh, let her live. She's very sad right now. 70s pacing problems. It doesn't, it doesn't. There's no surprise. I love 
The thing is, is I love the slow burn, but I will say that right after, like, you know, they start running from everyone, it does kind of get a little bit, like, the pace gets a little weird. But I kind of love that 70s slow burn. I'm a big fan of it. So I kind of love that, like, slow pace type of, like, mm. Yeah, see, I didn't have a problem with it. In the Nicole Kidman (laughs) remake, they did not go for the slow burn, and it was ridiculous. I, that, that movie. Oh, awful. fuck. I forgot that about that. That really <laughs> fucking awful. A, like a couple <laughs> years ago, right? Was it the uh, 90s? Is that the one that was from the 90s? That was like, or am I thinking Puppet from, Masters? Like, but. Yeah, because there's one that was in like, yeah, it was in like 89 or something like that that looked really good, but it's, I guess it's hard to find a copy of or it was at the time. There is one called Body Snatchers with Meg Tilly in 1993, according to IMDb. Maybe that's I tell you a fun tidbit of. about that. Meg Tilly has a nude scene in it, except it's not her. It's Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer Tilly did Meg Tilly's nude scenes. So Meg Tilly went Which is really funny, because if I looked at the two of them, I if I, if I looked at the two of them, I really would have thought Meg Tilly was the weirder of the two. Like, it I seems like it'd be that. the reverse, no, no, you know no. what I mean? No. I no, can that, see that. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to say anything bad about Meg Tilly. Have you ever seen that show on Netflix, Bomb Girls? No, I never show heard about of it. Women working in the bomb munition factories during World War II while the men were away. No, the Rosie the Riveter of it, and discovering she's a lesbian, and it's fantastic. Oh, oh cool. shit! I, I need to see this girl shit. In it who does all the horror <laughs> movies now? The Canadian actress blonde who was in a. Was she in uh, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil? I don't. That no, I didn't see that one. I haven't um, seen that are one talking either. about Chef Freckles? Was she the little? Was she the little kid in the beginning of the original It miniseries? Blonde with freckles. She was on. A, she was on like a shitload of uh, sci-fi made for sci-fi before she kind of blew up. Translation from the future. So the person that I'm trying to think of, who I cannot come up with the name of, who played the the World War II veteran who awakens Meg Tilly's innate lesbian side in the brilliant Canadian TV series Bomb Girls, available on Netflix, is the gorgeous and incredibly talented Miss Brittany Allen. Miss Brittany Allen, who you'll know from It Stains the Sand Red, and she was in uh, The Jigsaw, that last Jigsaw movie. And most recently... I think most recently, anyway, she was in the brilliant lesbian-themed What Keeps You Alive. It's grim, it's grueling, it's harrowing, and she's fabulous. If you've been following me on Twitter recently, you'll know that I've said that Brittany Allen is a scream queen you need to be watching out for. She is a chameleon. She gives passionate performances in everything that she does. She seems to be super queer-friendly, and I think she's fabulous. Brittany Allen, Meg Tilly's lover, and Bomb Girls. That's what I was trying to say, and now we're done. Yeah, yeah, because they went from they because they almost went to um, uh, fucking Fortuna in Humboldt County. They almost went to Eureka, but they ended up picking San Francisco instead because Jim Jones was really involved. He got really involved in San Francisco politics. City books, like I think the third or fourth one, the two lesbian characters all of a sudden like, well, we're gonna move away to go with Jim Jones in um. Guyana. 
Oh, really? Right. Is the is the actress you're thinking of uh Shalan Simmons? All right, well I tried. A for effort. Well anyway, blonde chick. Uh, <laughs> and. But yes, um yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> That's all I can say. I you know huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um what uh <laughs> uh what got me was uh how much this reminded me like just seeing like the incidental shots of like all of the greenery and shit how much it reminded me of my childhood yeah i can like, see that growing up in like because like the opening shots with uh when all the slime is landing on the plants before they form the pods there's the i don't know what the hell they're called they're the they grow on the the stalks and they've got the little cone-shaped heads and then the little tiny flowers grow out of them it's a weed and we i don't know what the hell they're called either but we used to pick them and then we wrap the stem around it and shoot the heads at each other so i don't know it just there was a very visceral reminding me of my childhood kind of uh, aspect because i would have lived in Tacoma, or in Oakland not too long after this movie was filmed so that was kind of a one-two for me personally. Yeah, I. That, in case they were pods now. Yep, Actually, totally. Now they're and after made you. We, made sure we infected everybody else. And now Early they want the to movie, kill you. Brooke Adams, when she first finds one of the pods, she's babbling on to Jeffrey about all the science behind it. I think it's one of these things, which is a hybrid of this plant and this plant. And it says... Right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Grex or, Grex or whatever it was. Oh, uh, Grex. Right. Is what and it's technically it. a weed, and you should get rid of it because it could destroy your whole garden. I'm like, it is a weed. It's a fucking race weed. That's exactly what these people are. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it, yeah, and it said it, 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 they tend to thrive on blighted, destroyed ground. Yeah, and then she talks about, like, look how quick the roots have taken, you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it's like foreshadowing. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, usually. Yes. Um, Especially nowadays. Nobody communicates. I don't know when the last time anybody talked to me on the phone or saw me in person. (laughs) And I will say that I really loved, there was definitely 100% chemistry between Donald Sutherland and, was it Brooke Adams who played Elizabeth? Yeah, for sure. There was some epic chemistry between them. Translation from the future is that Donald Sutherland was still in love with Brooke Adams after after she did that freaky, weird eye thing. And if you know the movie, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It's freaky and it's gross and I don't like it. Blah. Oh, yeah. I can do that, too, actually. Um, oh, yeah. I can't. It freaked to, me out. I used, to, I used to freak out the guy who sat behind me in uh, pre-algebra when I was in eighth grade by doing that. I got, a little, but, I got a little queasy watching that, I'll be honest with you. I don't know why, but no, I did. I, okay. I'm, doing it, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Um, but I have to say, first of all, she's not, I mean, she's, she's definitely, she's very seventies pretty, Oh yeah. but God, she had such lovely striking features and she's the whitest mouth, like not white, but wide, oh, whitest yeah. mouth I've ever seen. Like she's really stunning. Like she, she was just, so, she really was like, and she had that beautiful, like husky voice. Like she was a very like atypical, like uh, not what you'd find now as like, as like leading. Back in the day, I couldn't tell her apart from Karen Allen and. Jessica Harper. Yeah, she she reminded me both. She has that like 
I wanted all three of those. Yeah, Karen Allen for sure. Actors. She and looked a lot like Karen Allen the, and Jessica Harper a lot. And also um, uh, Talia Shire in was that who that was in uh, Prophecy? She felt real, I guess is a good way of putting it. Yeah. And so her and Donald Sutherland being together, like, made sense to me as opposed to, oh, dude. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Jeffrey was a fucking idiot dentist with his goddamn giant headphones, I say, as I'm wearing See, giant I headphones thought, right I now. thought he was kind of a, like, I don't know. I thought he was kind of like a charming doofus at the beginning. Like, I don't he know. Was he's super into his basketball and... And I don't like at first when he, when he's listening to his headphones and he's like gesturing at her to come over to him. I was like, yeah, fuck you too, buddy. But I don't know. Like I was I sad know. when he was, when he got eaten by the pod because he was an interesting person who I think genuinely cared about her. I mean, I think he genuinely cared about her, but there was, I, there was some about him that just kind of made me feel like, but then again, I should, I, I mean, I should watch the movie one more time because I should say there was something very self-involved about him. But when you get right down to, there's something very self-involved about every character, except for Veronica Cartwright's uh, sure. in this movie, which no, I think no, is agree part that. of the reason why I think that everyone got so fucked up is because everyone was very self-involved in this movie. And I think that's why nobody saw this coming, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, right, because that's the whole, the, sim- the symbolism of the 70s. Everybody saw them. Kevin the McCarthy yeah. came all the way from 1997 um, the I was going to say, I was going to say, I loved that Kevin McCarthy basically reprised his role from the Yes, I movie. loved that And moment. then they fucking killed him. I know. Which I just kept thinking was, was this the end of the original movie? Is this how it worked? <laughs> and then kind of, right? It was like, it, did he like run away from? It's the same last line as Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the same right. first lines of Halloween 3, which also took place in Santa Maria. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that was the one thing that was making me laugh while watching it. I always laughed whenever I saw Invasion of the Body. It's like, this is what Halloween 3 wanted to be so fucking bad. Yes, <laughs> yes it really it did. So wanted it really did. did. And so instead we got, we got Celtic robots. Yeah, we got Celtic robots and, and uh, like a lot of beige. <laughs> yes. And oh, worms. So beige. Can't so forget beige. the worms. Can't forget yeah, the worms. worms and <laughs> snakes and bugs. Oh my. I love that movie. And I have to say. I have the, uh, have you guys seen the Halloween 25 Years of Terror, the documentary they made? Yes, the 25th it's so Halloween? good. I love that movie. Yes. I love that Have you seen it, Patrick? I have to say, the guy who, so the guy who played the kid, Buddy Jr., who gets his head eaten in Halloween 3. Yeah. I wish somebody would put a mask on him and have his head eaten by bugs now. <laughs> because he is an insufferable douchebag as an adult. I am not shocked. <laughs> He's the one that basically says that horror movies make people kill people. And it's like, no, fuck <laughs> you. Go to hell. Fuck you. Fuck your 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 weird doughy face. I am going to say, you. though, that I love uh, Halloween 3 the same way I love the new Cats movie. I'm just going to say. I need to see that. It's so bizarre. And I know. I don't have anybody to go see it with, though. Oh, my God. If I was there, I would see it with you because there I was something so fucking weirdly endearing about that shit burger. I can't even say anything. I don't even you know. And it's funny too, because now you guys are going to kill me because you're both musical theater nerds. And I'm, I, I love Phantom of the Opera and I won't apologize for that, but I, I like Phantom of this fun. I like cats. I too. Like it cats. was a fun film. And, and you know, like, I mean, again, I haven't seen the movie. I've only ever seen the, the play, but that was the first like big Broadway musical I ever saw as a 16 year old. And I was, 
obsessed with it when I was in high school. I was totally and, obsessed with the cats when I was in elementary school when I first saw it. It was what kind of like and, was one of the gateway drugs right, for me like wanting to be in and everything like that. And it is here, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, that the whole thing completely falls apart. Cindy and Stacy's audio starts to break up as well. And it really becomes impossible to piece together in any comprehensive or comprehensible form, is what I was trying to say. Did it have anything to do with the fact that we were about to start talking about the musical Cats, which we did for like 10 minutes? Possibly. Possibly. That was the podcast god saying, no, spare your audience this. They don't need to hear this. You really did. It was really funny. But anyway, it's gone for the ages, and that's all that we can do. And unfortunately, that is all that we have. That's all that we have. I love this movie, and I apologize to Cindy and Stacy that this has all happened. I apologize to you that this has all happened, but um, and that this episode is so chunky and clunky, but I always figure it's much better to bring that guest on. You know, they they devoted their time to come on to the show. I'm going to give them the best that I possibly can, and unfortunately, this is the best that I can do. Oh, well. But I do love this movie, and it scares the hell out of me to this day. And like I said, like listening to it again, watching it this time, I realized... After that big shocking end scene with Donald Sutherland going at Veronica Cartwright, when the credits roll, there's no music. It's just silent. And it goes back to what I was saying before, because it's a new world, baby. We don't need music. We don't need music over end credits. We don't really even need these end credits. But, you know, it's a silent world now. Sure, the world's at peace now, which is actually something they explored in one of the later remakes. I think it was the um, Nicole Kidman version. It was one of the only good things about it was that you know, as this was beginning to happen, you know, all these battles in the Middle East just stopped and gun, you know, mass shooting incidents stopped, murders stopped. And there was this moment of world peace as the last remains of human civilization drained away. Sure, there's world peace, but at what cost? At what cost? There's world peace, but there's no heart. There's no heart. And it's scary and it's sad. Sad look at us, too. About what we are, yeah, yeah. We have the heart and the laughter and the emotion is great, but unfortunately, war and, and violence that comes with it as well. But hey, if we didn't have war and violence, we wouldn't have this podcast. Hello, the podcast is about violence in its own weird right. Okay, this got weird and introspective, but anyway, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, nineteen seventy eight. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's a fabulous, fabulous film. So I want to say thank you again to Stacy and Cindy at Creepy Kitsch. If you're not listening to them, go check them out, and that's creepy. K-I-T-C-H. You spell kitsch like witch. Not the Yiddish way, the creepy kitsch way, which is kitsch like witch. Kitsch like witch. Go find them. Their show is insane. It's wonderful. It's full of joy. It's full of insanity. And I love every moment of it. And I love them both. And I apologize to you as well for that this has all happened. But, you know, I've done the best with what I can. But I have to say a huge thank you to Squadcast. Because without them, I'd have nothing. I would have had Absolutely nothing. The fact that they had a backup of a backup that they took a week to search for to get to me. And sure, it's not in the best condition, but the fact that they did it and it existed and it was there, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. By all rights, I should have had to redo this whole episode, which granted I kind of had to do anyway, but I wouldn't have been able to do it with my guests who I love so much. And that is a gift and a joy. And the fact that that's there is such a relief for future episodes. And this is why... If you're a professional podcaster, you need to be looking at Squadcast. Go check them out. I mean, they're, 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 yes, I had problems with it, but the problems turned out were my fault. I didn't hang up properly. I didn't hang up properly and let the girls talk for another hour. They just, when I hung up the phone, the session was still going and their 
conversation got recorded for another hour. They're just yapping about whatever books they're reading. And so the system didn't know what to do. There was like 30 hours of recorded because when it hung up, when they hung up, it didn't know whether I was hung up or not. It was just a mess. And that's why the file corrupted. That was my fault, not Squadcast's fault. And the fact that they were able to rescue that and salvage it is fabulous. But you get impeccable sound there. Believe it or not, not you wouldn't know it from this episode, but you get impeccable sound, easy to use files. And had I, had I followed the instructions, the new instructions, none of this would have happened. But Squadcast, go check them out. Use the link in the show notes. You get seven days free to, to see what they're all about. And you will love them. And of course, thank you to my hosts, Captivate FM, you know, the, 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 the disco dancing Jedi Knights of internet sound and of podcasting. They are fabulous. Again, like they make everything so easy. It's almost embarrassing. I'll say that till the day I die. I, everything that I do with them is a million times easier than it was with my old host. So many headaches that I just don't have anymore. I keep adding extra steps to the things I have to do for Captivate and they keep going, why are you doing that? You don't have to do that for us. We've already done that for you. I said, but I had to do that with my own. They said, just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. They're British. Stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. Put a cork in it, Patrick. They've never said that to me, but I would be happy if I did. So Captivate FM, if you're looking for a host, check the link in the show notes. Go check them out as well. They are brilliant. And before we wrap up, again, congratulations to our new Scream Queen Hall of Fame inductees. Paul Hobbs and Evan Jones from Your Queer Story. I wish I had a better episode to showcase you on, but it is what it is. It is what it is, and congratulations nonetheless. And by all means, listeners, please go check them out, because now that I've called them to your attention, attention must be paid. That's not a direct order, but the stuff that they're doing over there deserves your attention. Their plans deserve your attention, and and I dare you not to be inspired by what they're doing over there. So go check out Your Queer Story. Listen to that podcast. Learn something. Feel something. Evolve. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. Evolve. (laughs) And please keep an eye on August. If you have any chance of coming to New York, please think about coming for FlameCon. I am going to keep hammering on this till the till, till, till the event arrives because I think this should be huge for us. This should be another horror. It should be another horror convention for us. We, we are not representing and we should be representing. So come help me represent at FlameCon. So go to flamecon.org and find out the information. And of course, it's now officially Women in Horror Month. Hooray! Hooray! And so next episode, we're going to be joined by Maya Murphy and Kristen Petty. Kristen Petty from Killing Your Darlings. They're going to be here, and we're going to be talking about Jennifer's body. Yeah. But what else are we doing for Women in Horror Month? Well, that's going to be up to you. I've put that up to a vote. And that newsletter is going to be going out in a few days. I've picked four movies. But you have to be signed up for the newsletter or Patreon in order to vote. It's going to be up to them. So I'm excited to see what you're going to pick for me to dive into because all the choices are very exciting for their own unique reasons. And I'm trying to pick things that everybody else doesn't do for Women in Horror Month as well because I just dare to be different. What can I say? I'm such an individual. (sighs) Smoking my clove cigarette, wearing my beret, and reading my collected works of Nietzsche. Not that I've ever done that. Shut up. Hush you, hush you, hush you. Okay, so until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you want to get in touch with the show, see, I'm out of practice. See? crazy if you want to get in touch with the show please leave me a voicemail i haven't gotten a voicemail in fifteen thousand years call me at 917-720-2047 
Or if you want to leave a comment on the show, go to the webpage and scroll down to the bottom. You can actually leave an audio comment right there on the page now. And nobody's used that feature either. And I think that should be that could be fun. I could play them on the show. So go, go check out that feature as well. Uh, you could write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. Find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens. And I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. And of course, become a patron at www.patreon.com slash Scream Queens. Yo, that was a mouthful. You never hear me say that very much. You should say, is that all you got? What? Shush. Hush. What? Huh? Nothing? Right. So... So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, where we will be discussing Jennifer's body, continue to make the world a creepier place and never, ever, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule, yo. Fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, yeah. the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.